Oh, hey, you guys made it. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming. Um, I know that it was a pain in the ass to get out to this campfire that I built here um, in the middle of the woods by a weird swamp. I know it's a bit of a shitty walk, but um, Liam, Mitch, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I, I, I figure you might want to know why why we're here. I'm, I'm dying to hear it, Corey. Cause I you know, blindfolded like it me. Took a good hour to get out here. Yeah. Uh, sorry, man. I was just taking a leak over in the bushes. Here I am. Jesus Christ, Mitchell. Um, yeah. So, I don't, so um, I'm involved with this thing. Uh, it's called the Midnight Society, and what we do here is tell spooky, scary stories. And because it's getting close to Halloween, I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, I've been at this for a long time. I bet you know who I think would like it. I think Liam and Mitch would like being part of the Midnight Society. So uh, I've dragged you out uh, to these um, remote, terrible woods around this big campfire uh, that you can hear uh, right now. There you go. That's a good and, sound of campfire. Um, yeah, sounds like a crackling, crackling, crackling corn. And um, there's a wolf man. Maybe, or it could just be a wolf. That's the na nature of scary stories. So um, what I'm hoping you guys might just have on hand as part of a big Halloween. Think of this kind of like a they made another one Halloween spectacular, except we're in the woods and around a campfire and it's telling scary stories for the Midnight Society. Do you get what I mean? I get, I get what you mean, Corey, and I definitely have some scary stories on hand, coincidentally. But I've got to know, mm. if this is something you do, this Midnight Society thing... Yeah. And you're bringing me and Mitch in for the first time. Uh-huh. It's only the three of us here. Right. In previous weeks, you just tell these stories to yourself? Um, you know, audience is subjective, right? Like, I don't know who who maybe chose to eavesdrop or um was maybe here in spirit which you know is a kind of a kind of a spooky thing um kind of a spooky thing are you saying it was the voice no god no, no. i i haven't the voice has not sullied our sacred ground but um you know if you wanted to say hey was cory physically by himself telling these stories Technically, I guess that would be right, but you know, I like to think of it in more in a more cosmic sense. Um, Perhaps he wasn't. And also, Mitch is getting into the spirit right away. Perhaps he wasn't. So, uh, well, what thanks I'm for gonna, having us, Corey. Yeah, no, I'm glad you guys are here. And uh, you know, part of it is because, like, I personally wanted to come out and do this for Halloween for the Spookums, and uh, I realized I don't know if I had anything that was super great. Well, you've told hand. all your stories already. Yeah, I've been kind of burning them up out here uh, for uh, whoever uh, wants to listen, the ghosts and the ghouls and the Damn bitches. shame we missed it. And, uh, yeah, those were sure all absolute heaters. And uh, I was hoping, you know, I've got Had a little bit there. of something, uh, but I was hoping you guys might have stuff going on. So who wants to take a first crack here? What? T first of all, you got to tell us what the story's called, right? If I don't know what I'm in for, what what do I look like? I gotta know what I'm in for. I'll be too scared not knowing at least a title. Mitch, you take it, my friend. All right, I'll be telling one of my favorite sort of campfire stories. It's not an original. Ooh. It's not a. Re it's not an original. It's a. Uh, I guess it's a, a retelling of a. It's a retweet. 
<laughs> no, it's a retelling of a really ancient, I guess, like, um, like sort of folk story that originates from Iraq, but I guess W. Somerset Mom heard it in like the 30s, and so he wrote it into like a short story. Uh, or not a short story, but like a, like a, it's like really very, very simple. It's like a monologue, practically. Um, and it's called The Appointment in Samara. Many years ago, there was a rich merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant to the marketplace to buy provisions. And in a little while, the servant came back, white-faced and trembling, and said, Master, just now when I was in the marketplace, I was jostled by a woman in the crowd. And when I saw, it was death that had jostled me. She looked at me and made a threatening gesture. Now, master, please lend me your horse so that I may ride away from the city and avoid my fate. I will go to Samara, and there death will not find me. So the merchant lent him his horse, and he mounted it and dug his spurs into its flank as fast as the horse could gallop. He went. Then the merchant went down to the marketplace, and he saw me standing in the crowd. And he came to me and said, Why did you make such a threatening gesture to my servant this morning? Ah, that was no threatening gesture, I said. It was only a start. For surprise, I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for I have an appointment with him tonight in Samara. Fuck, dude. Whoa. You guys feel that? Yeah, man. Something tells me things did not go great for, for our boy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's such a classic story. I mean, That's I'm so good. I first came across it when I watched Targets with uh, with Boris Karloff playing an, an aging silent film star whose like final film premiere at a drive-in collides with like a ex-marine who decides to shoot up the place it's a wonderful movie but and he delivers this monologue well, it's a horrifying movie but he delivers this uh this monologue at, at one point in the movie boris karloff and he's pretty much just playing himself yeah and it, it just always gets me in the mood for halloween every time i think of this of this monologue yeah that's the most like in in the spirit of mitch shit you could bring to this table so i appreciate that that's a really good actually thing to mention like what kind of stuff do you guys do to get in the halloween mood Oh, every, Before we get to the next story. Every year I watch House on Haunted Hill starring Vincent Price. It's a William Castle. Like You've seen, you've seen the original, right? Oh, or yeah. the, the remake. But We have. We, but we love and respect William Castle at this campfire. Every year that is the movie that I watch around Halloween. And I also make a point of watching all the old, the old black and white horrors too. And also, you know, everything else under the sun. I watched, uh, <laughs> I took in Jennifer's body the other night and it honestly blew my mind. Did you end up like, because we heard of you talk about it like part way through did you like it in the end i think i like i don't know how well it like stuck the landing but like i like i think it's a good movie like uh it has it has a lot going on for it yeah i'm definitely gonna gonna check that one out before october yeah. has uh has fully passed us by because i, I missed that one when it came out the night that we're doing this that's right i mean it is midnight all the way right out now to the woods yeah shit uh what about you liam what do I do? I uh, I like to get 
Halloween candy. I wait until October 1st, even though that stuff shows up on the shelves, you know, halfway through August. I wait until October 1st, and then I just keep it in rotation. So right now, I've... Uh, I've finished off the month with the the classic red box, which I've gone on record saying is my favorite. Corey, I did. Mm. I took your uh, your advice. I started the month with the black box, actually. In fact, I got the red box and the black box so I could directly compare. Because here in Canada, the red box has uh, an Aero chocolate bar, all mini versions, has a Kit Kat, has Smarties, uh, and for any Americans listening, those aren't the little sugar pellet candies. They are sort of like M&Ms here, uh, Smarties are. And there's also a Coffee Crisp, which is a Canadian chocolate bar that is delish. So that's pretty good. For me, Smarties is the only one that I'm not always in the mood for. And even then, when a box of Smarties hits, <laughs> like it did earlier today, it hits hard. So that's why that's my go-to. Um, but the black box has some real heaters, and that's Corey's favorite. And yeah. So I, I hit up that black box. The black box here, it has a Twix bar. It has a Mars bar, two of my all-time faves. So right away, that puts it above and beyond. So what is it that makes it not my favorite box? Well, it has peanut M&Ms, which I am not down with, and it has Snickers. Again, not down with. It's really? It's peanuts that you get hate well, I love Reese's. I love Fucking. Reese's Pieces. I even like Reese's Pieces with the peanuts in them. I have peanut butter for breakfast every morning, so it's not just the peanut butter thing, but it's something about the Can't way that... I can't believe I brought you to my Midnight Society campfire and you hate Snickers. Just oh, wait until yeah, I drop my home, scary man. story and I'll earn your respect back. <laughs> you, you practically just you... pissed on this campfire. <laughs> you gotta do that right now, Liam. All right, all right. What I'll is your that. scary story? My scary story is this. What is it called? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. This story is called The Tale of the Fence People. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> and this is a true story. My friend heard it from a friend of a friend of his, and that friend of his was me. Because it is my oh true my story. Oh my god, it happened to you? <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, picture this. It's about 2017 or so. That puts me at about 20, 21 years old. I am home. That's at like thousands of years. I'm, <laughs> I'm, this is an old folk tale. It happened in 2017. <laughs> so um, I'm in my hometown for summer vacation. This is a small place. It has about 15,000 people. Um, the sort of place where you know basically everyone in the town. Um, you can go out for a walk at night. You barely see anyone. Uh, it feels very safe. Um, and... My favorite thing to do when I'm home is walk my uh, dearly beloved dog who just passed away recently. Rest in peace. This is for you, buddy. Uh -huh. um, so I was home for the summer. My dog still lived uh, at the house at the time. So I really relished these walks because throughout the school year, I wasn't with my dog. So I'm there at summer and I say, dog, you want to go for a walk? And the dog gets stoked. Copper is his name. And uh, we like to go for walks late at night because I'm a huge night owl. Um, I like that at night there's really no one around, especially because it's a small town. If it's a city, you know, it might be a bit different, but this is a small town. So at night, it's really, really the time to be. I put my headphones in, I uh, keep my head down, and I just let my dog lead the way, and it's great. And One of our main paths that we like to do 
is we go across the street to my elementary school. I grew up across the street from my elementary school, and it's a massive school that used to be um, a high school back in the 70s, way too big to be an elementary school. And it's actually bigger than the, the high school in the city. Um, it's just, it's a massive, massive place. They should and trade. <laughs> exactly, I think so too. Um, and it's it's totally... Uh, forested um, on two sides of it, just a massive hill on one side, and then behind it a deep, flat forest. Um, and so it's it's, and then on the other side of the school, it has like a big field and a parking lot and stuff, and uh, it's really nice to walk around in. So that's my that's my go to. And the elementary school it actually closed down when I was in high school. So at this point in time. There was no activity at this elementary school. It was just uh, stagnant as they were figuring out what to do with this giant building. So we go out probably at 2 a.m. And we step out the front door. It's pouring rain outside, torrential downpour. And I'm stoked because I love the rain. Uh, great for listening to music. It makes me feel like I'm bonding with my dog even more just because like we're trekking through it together. So I'm excited. So we go out through the pouring rain. We go across the street to this school. And we walk to the very back of the school, down a, a, a cement hill in the parking lot, past the playground that got removed in like 2012 and is now just a, a really grungy pit of dirt surrounded by trees. And we go past that. Um, and I decide now that we're deep away from the main street because at the back of the school and because the school is so big at this point you're far away from uh the street in front of the school no one can see you no cars passing by um i decide to let copper off his leash and just let him explore he likes to run around in the giant field and stuff and um in order to get away from me he would have to go back the way we came because the forest is on uh, the other side of us. And so uh, he can't really get away that way. So I let him off his leash and he starts running around. And um, I notice that he has run up a set of stairs at the back of the school. Um, and I follow him up. And at this place, there is uh, the graveyard of an even smaller playground. This is where the kindergartners would play. Um, but when the elementary school shut down, they took this playground away too. So now instead of a, a cute little playground, there is just a, a really desolate pit of dirt. And beyond that is a small field uh, that, you know, kindergartners would play in that is uh, surrounded on three sides by a fence. So it has the, the opening that you enter it from, but then a fence on one side, fence on the other side. And then at the back of the field, also a tall chain link fence, really tall because on uh, the opposite side of the fence is this really dense forest that surrounds the school. And I noticed that Copper, he has run past the dirt pit um, and gone into the shadowed field because the forest around us is so tall that um, the, the whole field is just engulfed in shadows. And again, it is pouring rain, uh, super cloudy sky, making the whole place even darker. And this field now is separated enough from the actual school building that happens to have a light on it that that light isn't reaching so it is just pitch black and and copper he's ran into this field 
and it's pitch black. And so I've got to go find him because I don't know what he's going to get up to over there. So I decide to stroll into the dark shadows and, um, and he's not right at the front of the field. So I have to keep walking. I got to find this dog. Um, and my eyes are trying to adjust to this pitch blackness. And I spot Copper at the total back of the field where this chain link fence is. And I walk up to him. And once I'm probably three steps away from him, um, and he's just standing in place at the back of this fence. So I figure he's just reached the dead end in the field and he's just standing there. But when I'm three steps away from Copper, I notice that he's not alone back there. To his left, on our side of the fence, are these... (laughs) two human figures uh in entirely i guess i could say black clothing but i couldn't actually make out their their articles of clothing they're just like total silhouettes these two human figures standing next to him uh and at this point i'm committed to getting my dog i'm a few steps away from him so i'm not just gonna peel back and and leave him to die so i just i continue on my mission i take those final steps and I uh, walk up to Copper and I, I start to put his leash on. And um, I notice now that these people are standing up straight and their backs are to me. They have hoods up, black hoods, and their backs are to me. And they are just staring forward through this chain link fence at the woods as the rain is pouring down on all of us. They're not moving. They don't acknowledge that copper is standing next to them they don't acknowledge that i've approached them they don't move at all and i say to them uh the only thing that i can think of i say sorry because my dog has just ran up to them and interrupted whatever cult worship they're doing back here uh i put copper on his leash i walk him out of the field and as i get to the end of the field i look back uh over my shoulder to see what they're up to and they are still just standing in front of this fence they have not moved uh with their faces to the woods i walk out of there um i stand in the parking lot for a while to see if they're gonna come out and i'll i'll get some sort of closure as to what's going on up there it never happens i stood in that parking lot for probably 10 minutes or so but i didn't get up the nerve to walk back up to see what they were up to and that is the only time within the my five years or so of walking copper at that school at night that i have ever encountered anyone else in that area at all that's really that's really weird yeah that's That's fucked up did you ever go into the woods later to try to like see if they might have been looking at something no, I didn't think to do that, but I, I did go for a walk to the school in the daylight and I walked back to the spot um, and looked through the fence where they were looking and it's nothing, man. It was just a, just a regular forest. I don't know. That's bizarre. Did, did they move at all like, or, or were they completely motionless? completely motionless but they were ab it absolutely was not a trick of the light because i was within inches of them and these were totally physical people right. that i could have reached out and touched but they didn't move they didn't acknowledge us could no you hear them speaking or anything flinching or? no speaking i was listening to it too because Strange. when i walked up and noticed that there were two people i took my headphones out just in case we ended up uh exchanging any words and nothing they didn't say anything to me 
That's so weird. That's so fucking weird. I would, I be, hate I would that. be like, I would be like disturbed for like, I don't know, like weeks after that. <laughs> Were you like, what was your, like when you got home or like what was like your next day like? It was uh, I try to carry on normally, Corey, but uh, there's no doubt I live my life post and pre that event happening to me uh it's it's super unsettling yeah because i'm just like there's no way to get answers from it so i i try not to think about it too much but i definitely do wonder every now and again and i think it's uh i think it's like pretty cool just that these people whatever they were up to is something like totally removed from the life i've lived and i'm just like i just wonder what their side of that story is uh, and, and but you i'll never know a small town too. yeah like, like why people like that in your town yeah i was thinking the exact same thing yeah that's that's why it stuck out so much it's just uh um weird stuff so never atypical. happens in small towns yeah i know right until stranger things showed us that it very much does this was pre-Stranger Things, too. <laughs> Notably. I had I had never thought that scary things happened in small towns before. Mitch, did you say you had a you had a you had a secondary piece you'd like to present? Honestly, I might have three. Whoa. He's he's showing that he's worthy for the Midnight Society. I dig it. Liam, do you have anything else? Let's try to schedule out our meeting here. Oh. Again, we're in a damp wet forest. That's right. I could definitely whip out some more stories, yes. Okay, so so Mitch, how about you take another crack? I'll toss one in the mix, and then Liam can go again. So, when I was in the third grade, I, what's this one called? Uh, this is called Spooky Experiment. And you're, who are you presenting it for the approval of? Well, for the Midnight Society. Now, keep in Thank mind, you. I wrote this story in the in the third grade, and the Ottawa Citizen thought it was pretty good, so they uh, <laughs> they published it. No, no way! No and, way! Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna read it out now. I actually won. I won a Teletoon backpack, a Family Channel <gasps> T-shirt, bro, like a, a gift card, and like like a this bunch is of other the shit. Channels. Are you afraid of the dark plate? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. I want to hear this so bad. But backtrack for a second. Was this like a contest? Like you had to yeah, submit yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. The them, Ottawa or? Citizen. I, I think they still do it. But like, it's just for like youths, like of like certain ages, to like submit like a short story that they wrote. Um, to get like published, so you in the literally paper. submitted something for the approval of a society of some description. Yes, and in the third grade, no less. But this, this, uh, this, um, so they pretty much have like a story prompt. So I'm gonna like read the prompt at first, and the part that doesn't sound like it was written by a third grader was not by me. And then there's going to be a very distinct switch. You'll, you'll, you'll see <laughs> <Okay>. it. Ha- <laughs> you'll see it happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I won. I won first place. Which was my uh, gosh, and then you got all these wicked early 2000s gifts. Yeah, it was for ages eight and under. Okay, so yeah, uh, here it is. Walter had always been fascinated by his father's chemistry work, although he was forbidden from entering the lab. He would often sneak in when his father was asleep. The night before Halloween was a stormy one, and Walter found himself in the lab once again. He gazed admiringly at the shelves upon shelves of bottles filled with strange colored liquids, bubbling mixtures, and swirling gases. A sudden flash of lightning made him jump right into the shelves. Walter was doused with chemicals and knocked out. When he woke up several hours later, 
He ran to the bathroom. He felt very sick. He looked in the mirror. Ah! He had grown pointy ears. His eyes bulged out and his hair was all spiky. He had become a werewolf. Walter began to howl at the moon. A woo! The howling woke up his little sister. She took one look at Walter and screamed. Her screams woke up Walter's father and his mother, and even his own mom was scared of him. His father said, Walter, have you been in my lab lately? Walter ran back into the lab again. He saw the glass on the floor and he knew what had happened. One of his father's secret potions must have spilled on him and turned him into a werewolf. Walter couldn't control himself. He took his dad's electric razor and tried to cut all the hair off. But his hand slips and he accidentally gave himself a mohawk haircut. Walter felt, <laughs> Walter felt good about how he looked. The mohawk was cool. Next, Walter ran out, to a, <laughs> ran out to the garage. He took his dad's motorcycle. Even though he did not know how to drive a motorcycle, he took it anyway. Soon the, police, soon the police stopped him. The police officer took one look at Walter and jumped back into his police car and drove away. <laughs> Walter was starting to feel hungry. He wondered what werewolves liked to eat. He remembered the story of the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Ham on a bun sounds good. And to drink? <laughs> on a bun? <laughs> moon milk. Walter drove the motorcycle into the parking lot of Mickey's diner and he pigged in. After his snack, he ran out the door and drove the motorcycle down the street. Walter joined a motorcycle gang and was last seen singing Werewolves of London. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. That kid is hardcore as shit. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that's a that's a great like rebellious anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a kid would read that and just be like, "Oh, Walter is so cool. I wish I could be Walter." Yeah, that was uh, th I wrote that in the third grade. <laughs> do you remember writing it? Yeah, I do. Wow. Did you write it for the contest, or did you just have that yeah. on standby? No, no, I wrote it for the contest. My mom came up to me and was like, "There's this short story contest, and you should like write something for it." And so I did. I, I wrote it by hand. Yeah, that's that's awesome. a great story. What a great tale. Were you a fan of the song Werewolves of London? Yeah, I was. Uh, ooh. <laughs> I will remember Walter forever. The mohawked werewolf. The mohawk. On a trying to picture that is so wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you read any other stories that came from the prompt? Was there like a second and third place published? Oh, um, I don't have a photo of it. I think I, my parents like like we don't made, we like, don't a, respect losers on this show, Liam. No, my parents made like a plaque of like the of like the clipping or whatever. So it's like in oh. my room somewhere when I was a kid. But yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That really is. Yeah. Well, what about you, Corey? I think you're up to bat. The head Midnight Society man. Let's see. see this show us how it's done. Well, because as mentioned, right? Um, I've kind of burned up a lot of my good ones, my really good ones, because I wanted to like really, yeah. you know, kind of establish the whole Midnight Society chapter here. You're just right? too good. Um. So, but I think I've got a little something. Um. It's uh, it's something that sort of came to me as we've been talking. So, if it's a little off the cuff, I apologize for a lack of overall polish at this here Midnight Society meeting that I've uh, 
summoned you both to, but um, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I present the story, <laughs> reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that title. I just came up with it. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk as if this were me. I'm just gonna simplify the perspective a little bit here. So um, in high school, so I don't know. I was like. 15 let's say 15 that seems about right maybe 16 um i worked in a mall i worked at a dollar store in a mall and um there were a few different responsibilities that came with that uh it was like cashier stuff and stocking stuff but um we had so much coming through all the time that we had this huge amount of cardboard like empty boxes you'd uh you'd get a cart that was more like a thing that you would roll around a pallet on and you'd go uh, to the back of the store, enter in a little punch code on the door, and you could get boxes of like stuff to put out on the shelves and things like that. But uh, we didn't have infinite space to um, place all of that cardboard just in the store. So you would get this little trolley out, and you'd have you know had the little apron tied on to show that you worked there, and um, you uh, you would just take this cart full of cardboard wheel it down the hall of the mall and there was another door that had a different passcode on it that you had to punch in and you would open the door the doorknob always stuck a little bit so you'd have to grab it and then kind of shake it a bit and then you could pull it open um and opening up it was like a concrete hallway um and it was like old and and musty and i don't really know like how it was maintained <laughs> if at all um it was like blackened and gray and it was this weird it was a it was a grim hallway it was very dimly lit uh and at the end of this hallway there was sort of a it opened into a bit of a foyer and cardboard was just put on the ground and on the wall there was this big brown door uh that was square and i and when you pulled that open uh which i technically never would have um there was some kind of like compactor in there to get rid of the the waste that we had um and the time I spent working at this mall, uh, I did get to know a few people. Uh, one was a person who's, uh, whose name was Jeff, and he did, like, um, he was a bit older than me, but he did, um, like, custodial stuff, like cleaning and uh, garbage and stuff like that. And just to give a sense of, like, what this mall was like, it's small town again, sort of like what Liam was talking about. And um, it was at a point where I don't think a lot of the mall or the town necessarily was doing great. So um, it's a, it's a town that, um, or rather it's a mall that uh, would empty out easily. It did not always have big crowds. So you'd have a lot of times where, because it was open until I think 10 PM um, or something like that, you'd have circumstances where, you know, you're walking around this mall and it's dead, dead quiet. Um, it would obviously get dark out. There was a decent amount of windows. Um, the lights would be fewer and fewer. And if you're there late, it definitely had a bit of a vibe about it that wasn't super enjoyable to be around, even even if you were just going from there to the parking lot to leave or something like that. But um, so one of the few people I would cross paths with a lot, because most of the people I actually worked with were older than me, was Jeff. And he was constantly complaining about needing to clean up after people. I know that's ironic because it's his job, but it's one of those things where you know, you'd think that people would be a bit more considerate, right? Like he was frustrated that 
people were not taking care of the mall and it was like kind of falling apart and there was a lot of empty closed stores and you know it 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 seemed for a time that maybe the whole facility was just on its way out but it was something that he really cared about and people would leave not just um trash around but like bottles plastic bottles packaging cardboard stores were doing it patrons were doing it it was this whole thing and um I'd bump into him with my little stupid apron on and this cart full of cardboard. And I'd bump into him going into that room. And there was this point where every time he went in, he got just like, he seemed just angrier and angrier about it. Like, I don't know if, if he had stuff going on elsewhere or what, but he was just not happy with everybody. And I remember one time we were talking and uh, we had gotten the door open. It was a very simple passcode. So at least it was easy to get in there. Um, and we're at the end of that grim saw-like foyer, which is really the only way to describe it. And um, I'm dropping off another load of cardboard. And he's just like, man, I swear to God, one of these days, I'd love to take the people that are just not caring about the work that we do in this space that we have and just, you know, put them in here, really show them, really show them something. I'm like, uh... <laughs> Okay, Jeff. <laughs> into the into the trash compactor? I'm like, gonna I'm gonna leave, fuck. Jeff, but thank you for that. Um and uh yeah, so after that I didn't really see him for a while. I don't know I don't know what the precise reason for that was, and I just kept working at this job, but um I would get later shifts because I'd have to work after school. So, you know, if they didn't start until like four or three or something, um, might work until closing. So I got very intimately familiar with this mall after hours um or the feeling of it the vibe of it and of course there would be people that stayed later than me you know like managers and whatever it's not like it was completely empty but um if you've ever been in like a mostly empty mall or even like an empty airport terminal or a store like it's got a specific sort of vibe to it and it's always been kind of kind of off-putting and um i did also notice that it felt like the crowds were thinning out even more um i didn't know what was going on with jeff but it seemed like there was just fewer and fewer people there would be tables in the food court and this was a pretty fucking bitch in food court it had um big like pastel murals across the top it had a very like 80 sensibility all of these tables were like teal colored had white tile there was a movie theater in there and um but it's just there was fewer and fewer people um but i couldn't help but notice that the fewer people there were the cleaner the place got like because there was a problem like it was a messy fucking disaster of a mall but it got cleaner and i was like huh that's weird you know at least jeff would probably be happy about this particular development um and so there was a night where um as i had been dropping off loads of cardboard throughout the shift i noticed the door was just being kind of weird um i it did stick but it was like there was something something had been like done to it it wasn't it wasn't working like it used to and there was a point where um i got the door open and this was already a very grimy gross kind of space but uh i thought i would i could hear something other than the door as i was opening the door and um it was this hallway narrow like i mentioned really dark in there and i could have swore to god I saw 
somebody else in the room already. And there's only a couple people that know the password. Like you had to work in a store or be mall staff to get in. So I thought, oh, maybe I know who's in here. So I, I pushed the cart down. There's just nobody there. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, but it still sounded like something had been happening in there. And I just, I, I didn't really look anything into it too much. Um, but when I tried to get out, the door was actually closed, which it usually doesn't cause it's, it's quite a heavy door. So you prop it open cause the whole point is that it locks. So you don't like customers in there. Uh, so I had to sort of force my way out and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Um, and the next time I went in, I, I have this cart and it's like flat and green and it's got a bar on it that you just push it with. And I'm like, got a big load of cardboard. Sometimes if you didn't balance it quite right, you would knock a bunch of shit off. So I was trying to push it very delicately and I get up to, and I'm watching the load of cardboard and I grab the doorknob and it's like wet with something. And I was like, Oh, maybe they WD 40 the door. <laughs> Cause it was fucking shitty and it stuck. Mm. And, um, I looked at it though and it was like a rusty kind of ruddy color on my hand. I wipe it off on that apron and I was like, what the fuck? Gross, whatever. Um, but I open the door and I see that the, <laughs> the, the, the wall, the, the gap on the wall is open. Like somebody's putting stuff in there and it didn't sound like it was cardboard, man. So I left the cart outside and I started walking down that hallway and I could hear, I could hear Jeff in there, and he was like muttering to himself, one of those weird, like just fucking gross, weird vibe guys. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I hear it slam close, and I'd, right as I get around the corner, he's there, and I can see sticking out of the door is like a red stained like shirt sleeve just sort of flapping out of this recycling display and Jeff's just there and he looks absolutely crazed and he's he's just looking at me and I'm looking at him and I don't know what the fuck to do anymore because like if that door closes I'm just stuck in here with him and he just says he just looks at me with that look in his eye and he says if they're not gonna clean up I'll clean up. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean, Jeff? What are you doing? And he doesn't say anything else. And he just starts walking toward me. And I just fucking run the fuck out. And I try to get to the door. The door has been closed. I have to try to rattle the door open. Jeff is just fucking in there. And then I get it open. And I slam it shut. And I look at my hands now from dealing with the door. And it's just, it looks like blood. And I just, I, I left the cardboard out there. I left the cart there. I just ran the fuck out. I tried to get into my car and I just drove home. And I don't know what happened after that. I asked people about it. I went back to work and I was like, hey, something happened. <laughs> and I never knew. Oh my gosh. I never knew. Did you like... Fuck. Man. Yeah, That's I know. It's a wild story. Yeah. Did you like? Did you like think about like calling the cops? Or like, I mean, like maybe not warranted, right? But... Yeah, well, and it's, t yeah, like, uh, sort of like with Liam when he had that interaction where it's just like people just didn't know and you just don't really know what they're doing. Right. Like, you can't really make a good judgment. I was just, I just didn't want to, 
get like caught up in anything, right? Like you're just you're a kid. You don't want to run mm. afoul of fucking weirdos. Um, so it's a small town. Did you ever hear a word of Jeff again? No, and I don't know if that that might have just had something to do with like because he wasn't always there, right? So I don't know if if like he just left after that. I don't know if he wanted people seeing him in there. I don't know what, but um, no, that was it. And then I just I kept going to work, and nobody ever really said anything about it. So I just kind of moved on. Wow. Yeah. What do you think, Corey? Put it out there. What do you think happened? I mean, you know, the signals all point to, you know, something not good. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah. That's a great story. That's a freaky story. I'm kind of creeped out right now. Jeff, oh my gosh. What a legend. Yeah, so, um... Wow. Yeah. Uh... I know Mitch Mitch got a second crack in there. Liam, do you got one more that you want to get to? I got one. Mitch, are you doing a third story? I got to know. I'm, I was thinking about it, but it's, it's kind of just like more of a ridiculous story that I'm just going to try and improvise. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do that, because if you do that, that means I'll, I have a third one. That it's, not well. it's, it's not true. It's not true, my yeah. story. No problem, no problem. Okay. Yeah, Mitch, so if, if you're going to do a third story, then I'll, I'll have a third story I can whip out. So I think this is a good middle this is a good middle story, and then I'll, right. I'll end the night with a closer. Okay, so this uh, this one is a, a little tale I wrote a few years ago. Uh, this is not a true story. Look you'll at you be, guys are fucking writers. You'll be able to tell uh, quite easily. Um, but, you know, maybe it did happen to a friend of a friend of mine. Where do I get my inspiration? <laughs> happened to my buddy Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. This is called uh, The Tale of uh, Billy. Classic Billy. There you go. Okay. Um, and this story was also written from a, a writing prompt. So uh, the first sentence of the story is that writing prompt, and then the rest is is uh, the, the aforementioned tale of Billy that I that I wove. Okay. When the coast was clear, he asked him to come outside. I want to show you something, he said. Billy rubbed his eyes some more and looked around the living room, sort of ignoring the question. The whole place was covered in decorations. Way up high, yellow and blue tinsel was stuck to where the wall meets the ceiling, and beneath the green plastic wreath that was hung above the fireplace, three fluffy red stockings dangled down from the edge of the mantel. The Christmas tree his family kept in the garage all year was fixed on a carpet in the center of the room and was sparkling with stars and light bulbs. And standing in front of it with a smile on his face and a glimmer in his eyes was the jolly man himself, his big nose frostbitten red and his big coat buttoned up tight and cozy. Wait, Billy said. Something felt off, not like it should. He was still sleepy and his stomach was still hurting from all he had eaten before bed. You're here already? Billy looked over his shoulder to the digital clock on the coffee table, 11.26. Behind the tree, the curtains were drawn closed. Well, I had to wait until your parents were asleep, didn't I? He said, and then used his red mitts to brush some crumbs out of his beard. He laughed. Billy smiled too, and his eyes started to gaze around the room again at the spectacle of it all. 
He was nine now, and it seemed like the older he got, the slower the holidays were to get here and the quicker they were to leave. But here he was, standing in a room with decorations and Santa Claus and nowhere to be but now. And still he felt weird. Not in his stomach, but in his head. It was like when he and his dad flew on a plane to Australia. When Billy got on the plane, it was snowy and cold. And when Billy got off the plane 20 hours later, the air was dry and hot. That was weird getting used to. He looked at the stockings again. Come on, Billy, Santa said. Where's your holiday spirit? Of course, when he went to sleep, he expected Christmas, but he didn't expect it to come so fast. Don't you want to see what it's like where I live, Santa said, where we have Christmas forever? Beneath his frosted, bushy eyebrows, Santa's eyes didn't glimmer anymore. He took a step toward Billy. <laughs> Billy stepped back. Somewhere, the floor creaked. Come outside, he said. Your spirit is going to get cold, Billy. Come outside now! At the sound of this, Billy turned and started to run. He didn't want to be in the same room as Santa anymore. His feet left the carpet and then slipped as they tried to dart across the hardwood floor. As he fell, he thought he could hear the thump of Santa's footsteps coming after him. Billy caught himself on the coffee table and pushed himself up, sprawling toward the dark and unfestive hallway. He turned the corner and slammed into something, hard. A reindeer, Mrs. Claus, something. He fell onto his back. What are you doing? Something said. Billy squinted his eyes and looked up at his dad from the hallway floor. I can't believe you're awake, he said, bending over to grab Billy's hand. Next year, no more Halloween candy before bed. If it has you running around the house at midnight, maybe I should lay off it too. Come on, let's both get back to sleep. Billy's dad hoisted him up. From over his shoulder, Billy looked back into the living room. There were no decorations there at all. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's, I love that. You like that one? That's yeah. a fun one. That's fun. really good. Um, if anyone's interested, there is a, uh, a dramatic retelling of that story um, set to music on the YouTube channel, Greg Guevara. Greg, <laughs> G-U-E-V-A-R-A, Guevara. The YouTube video is called A Christmas Story, and you can hear a, a slightly altered version of that uh, with some Christmas decorations in the frame and stuff. That's sick. That's really good, though. I love that. I love that we're getting uh, multiple seasons here at the Midnight Society today. Look at that. Yeah, my two favorite times of year. So, Mitch, you're telling us you've got another improvised tale to... Yeah, to yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to improvise the whole thing. All right, all right. Have what do it. I call it? What do I call it? My story is called... For the, the approval of the Midnight Society. Yes, thank you, thank you. I almost forgot to, in my due respects. I hope the, <laughs> the Midnight Society will uh, receive this well. My story <laughs> is called The Triplex of Small Size uh, Swines. <laughs> <laughs> Are you 100% sure that's what your story's called? Yeah, I like so that a, edit from Pig to Swines. Uh, it's the original, <laughs> The Triplex of Small Size Swines. You Swine. still didn't sound sure. Yeah, that's it. Okay, ready? Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So, the triplex of small-sized swines. My grandfather told me this story. It's a terrifying tale. So there were these, these three pigs, right? 
they had, you know, they, they were going to build three houses. One of the pigs already had his house built. It was big. It was big and it was built out of brick. And it had, you know, this this frontal facade that was made of, of white monumental alabaster. And he had a couple of horses that he liked to ride that were out in the field. And, you know, the horse's name was Stanley. Uh, and then there were these two other pigs. And, uh, you know, they all wanted to take a crack at life and, you know, do what they could. So the first pig, you know, he really wanted to work at a startup company. And, uh, you know, he was like, I think I can I can do it with straw, I guess, you know, whatever. And uh, so he did that. And then there was this wolf. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you about the wolf. Uh, he um, he uh, was uh, a, a shrewd businessman, that wolf, you know, strong sense, hard-nosed businessman. And he was looking to buy up the whole plot of land from these from these pigs. That's what he wanted. And uh, so he burned the first pig's house to the ground and killed him. Killed him dead. Now the second pig, he built his material. Well, he had aspirations of having a, a perfectly optimized tiny house, you know? Like uh, it was um, th this tiny house, uh, it, perfectly optimized space, ergonomical. He had his shelves under the staircase. He wanted to live completely off the grid. He was going to get rid of his, uh, his cell phone, you know, throw it away and, uh, you know, go off the grid. But that never happened. Because the wolf went in to the pig's tiny house. He, he barely fit it because, you know, this is a small-sized swine we're dealing with. He, he barely fit in, but, <laughs> but he got inside. And uh, he took the bottom part off of the sink, and then he put the pig through the, through the garburetor and made sausages out of him. And then he sold it because he's a shrewd businessman. He's a strong capitalist. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's just an iron will and then and then the pig goes to the house that's always been there from the pig who had money from the pig who had a long walkway that had overhanging spanish moss and uh well he went there and the, the this pig he's got a pretty good business sense so he goes says to the wolf Hey, you know, maybe I can buy you out. Do you want shares in my company? I, my family's been here forever. You know, I really wish you wouldn't try and make me move out. You know, just because you're some kind of wolf top of the food chain. Who do you think you are? You can push push me around. I got means. Do you know who you're talking to? And uh, the wolf, the wolf killed him anyway. And then he <laughs> then he then he burned the house to the ground. He burned it to the ground. There was nothing left. And then Stanley the horse walks in and the wolf turns to him and says, hey, why the long face? <laughs> and we never knew why Stanley had a long face. <laughs> I love That's ambiguous a, endings. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the twist was going to be that the wolf was Walter. No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the I, sequel story we've all been clamoring for for over a decade. That's my personal stream five is Walter 2. <laughs> Walter 2. Spooky experiment 2. 
No, when, Wal- I, when that gets adapted to the big screen, it's just going to be called Walter. It's way more marketable. You don't, you <laughs> don't think you don't think too. you don't think the triplex of small size swines is. <laughs> You weren't sure about that. You don't think it'll sell? <laughs> if you threw a Walter 2 in front of it, it might have to be a subtitle story. <laughs> Actually, you might need to phrase it like phrase it like the girl on the window train or the woman with the dragon tattoo or whatever, because those really sell. So you got to make it the small swine with the small triplet. <laughs> or maybe just like pigs, t- like pigs like, to the power of three. <laughs> Pig singular to the power of three. Get Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Liam, I don't know how you're gonna top that, but uh, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at my watch here. Um, it's set to Midnight Society time. Yep. And it looks like we're almost out. So. So I will. Uh, cap us off, please. I'll cap us off. Send you into the night. Um, and uh, I hope it does it justice, Corey. Next time we meet, you can tell us if we made it in. Oh, you'll know. Okay. It'll okay. be a much easier trip if you made it in. So uh, this is another true tale. Happened to a friend of a friend of mine, and I was with both of those friends because this is also a story that happened to me. But they were there, so it happened Damn. to us. Okay, so uh, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Uh, I call this story the tale of the spooky woods. Okay, so picture this. The same forest from the first story I told. This is a a sequel. sequel. This is a sequel. It's actually a prequel. It happened before. Um, So this happened, I was probably probably, uh, 16 at this time. Now, behind uh, these woods that uh, bordered this humongous uh, elementary school, um, my friends and I, we would like to go there at night uh, with or without my dog and walk around these woods we would explore them we would tell each other scary stories we would you know talk about life it was just like a it was it was a nice teen hangout spot that no one else seemed to have it wasn't it wasn't a place that all the kids in the city went I, I lived across the street from it and so we went there a lot and you would never run into anyone in these woods uh, much like you would never run into anyone in the parking lot of the school at night so it was just a great place to be by ourselves and uh, kind of get some exploring down um and so it was late one night probably about 1 a.m me and my friends were out um and we decided to go for a walk um in these woods behind this school and uh we set off um really dense woods very hilly um and uh we were telling us each other all sorts of stories um getting ourselves all hyped up and eventually we turned back and we're on our way out and we get to the edge of the forest um, so that if we gaze through the trees, we can see the parking lot of the school below. And um, as we're coming out, we hear some voices. So we look down at this parking lot and we see that there's about three uh, teens, you know, they look like teenagers um, from a distance. Uh and they're just hanging out much like we would, um, but they're down in the parking lot. And this was very interesting to us because, uh, like I said, it's not a city. It's not a local hangout. You don't really see any other people. And so it was kind of cool to see that, oh, man, there are other kids in this town. Uh, and they kind of decided to do the same thing that we did, except they're hanging out in the parking lot. And we decided to hang out in the woods. So we realized really quickly that we have an advantage here. 
and we are going to do something that will uh, perhaps brighten their night, perhaps give them something to talk about, um, perhaps ruin their night. We weren't sure. We didn't give it a whole lot of thought, but we concocted a plan right there and then as we saw these kids. I turned to, uh, you know, I was probably with four or five friends up in those woods, and we said, yo, how funny would it be if we sprint out of these woods? You know, they don't know we're up here. We see them, but they don't see us. How funny would it be if we sprint out of these woods yelling in terror as if there is someone chasing us and we say, oh man, this is going to be great. It'll, it's going to freak them out. They'll have something to talk about for the rest of the night. It'll be awesome. Because much like uh, us, they don't expect anyone else to be at this school at 1 a.m. So it'll just be hilarious. So that's exactly what we do. We we count down three, two, one, and we sprint out of the woods um, screaming. We say, oh, he's after us. Run, run, run. He's coming. And we run all the way across the street to my house and we turn into a back alley beside my house. Um, and we're just like, oh man, that was so funny. I bet they're, uh, I bet they're super freaked out, right? And um, and we walk a bit down the back alley and peek out at the school, you know, which is across the street from my house. And we see that they're still at the school um, and we're just chuckling to ourselves. We're like, oh, man, they must be talking about what the heck that what just happened. They think there's a killer in the woods. This is so great. Uh, and then we finish out the night. You know, we eat some chips, play some video games, uh, go our separate ways. I wake up the next day, probably at like 4 p.m. because I was a trash human, and I uh, go for a walk with my dog, same dog uh, from the previous story, and this time uh, it's very sunny outside. I took him for a nice afternoon. To me, it was a morning walk. And uh, we walk around my neighborhood, and <laughs> as I turn the corner of my street to go on to the adjacent street, but this street is still just across the street from the school, you know, it's all the same neighborhood, I see at the far end of the sidewalk a bunch of police crime scene tape. And so I walk with my dog up to it, and there's a bunch of police around this house that's just around the corner from my house. Um, and they're talking to some people outside. And uh, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of freaked out. Um, and I go home and I get onto the computer and uh, pull up Facebook and a news article hits me right away because this is a small town news happens it happens fast and there's you know one one headline every week or something and this day there's a big headline and i learn from reading this news story that last night at around 2 a.m 3 a.m or so so shortly after we had ran out of the woods screaming that someone was chasing us at the house around the corner from mine Someone was stabbed to death and uh, um, left for dead. Jesus. And holy they, shit. They don't know who did it at this time. Um, and uh, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if these kids who, that, who saw us ran out of these woods, um, if they didn't take it seriously at the time, they're going to read this news story because they're in the same town as us. Everyone reads the same news and they're going to think for sure this was connected 
Um, and uh, that's going to blow their minds. And also, I fully expected police to show up at my door asking us about being chased in the woods by a killer. It never happened. So I don't know who those kids were. I don't know if they ever made the connection. I don't know if uh, because there was there was no connection, but there was an apparent connection. Um, and uh, I just chalked that up to a very uh, unfortunate, tragic coincidence. And um, I would never run out of the woods as if I'm being chased by a killer again. I was a very silly teenager. Yeah, well, that's. Damn. One way to learn that lesson. Damn. Holy shit. That's a downer. That is a downer. That's wild. God. Happy <laughs> Halloween, everybody. Yeah, no <laughs> the kidding. The horrors of the real world. <laughs> the scariest thing is political bureaucracy. <laughs> and boy, do we got a great episode about that next week. But yeah, I think uh, those are some great stories. I think I'm gonna be able to put in um, a good word with you guys at the uh, the Midnight Society. I'd, I'd feel pretty optimistic if I were you guys. And uh, with all that out of the way, very nice. Meeting adjourned, and happy Halloween. This is the part where I'll tell you that I just made that whole fucking story up. Oh my god. I figured that was a bunch of shit. Elements of that are true, but not not most not the the nefarious part. Wow, you did good, man.